You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're having a great week, and I hope you enjoyed last week's inauguration of President Joe Biden. You know, in his inaugural address, President Biden said that he is committed with his whole soul to bring this country together. In fact, he pleaded with Americans to take up this cause with him, and he said, and I quote, It's time for boldness because there is much to do. Biden urged Americans to work together for unity in this historical moment, and he stressed that the American story depends not on some, but all. Our nation's second Catholic president also urged our country to recognize that the American story is one of hope, not fear, light, not darkness. He mixed realism with hope. He said there is much to repair and much to restore but we will press forward. Father Kevin O'Brien, who is the president of Santa Clara University in California, gave the homily at a mass at the Cathedral of St. Matthew in Washington just before the inauguration. The mass was attended by the president, the vice president, Kamala Harris, family members, and some members of Congress from both sides of the aisle. And in his homily, Father O'Brien spoke of the need for healing. He said, every day, you will strive to heal our nation's wounds and reconcile differences and bring us together. You know too well the challenges ahead and the cost of service. My deepest prayer for you today as a priest, citizen, and friend is that you always remember that the Lord is near and no matter the sound and fury around you, that God wants to give you peace, a deep-seated peace that will sustain you. I believe that God wants to give that blessing to all of us. And so, to President Biden and to Vice President Harris, we offer our sincerest congratulations and God's blessing on your service to our country. And now, let's get to work. Today, I interview Margaret Kaplow, the Director of Marketing and Communications, Public Relations, and Public Relations Manager for the National Catholic Education Association, NCEA. Today, we'll learn more about the important role that Margaret plays for the NCEA and how NCEA supports Catholic schools through marketing programs and numerous publications and so much more. Margaret has an interesting background, having been Catholic school educated from grade school through college, and she previously worked for the Washington Post in the editorial department and then as an editor in public relations and communications. Today, you'll hear how Margaret helped establish an educational services department to reach out to local schools at the Washington Post. Through this program, she worked with teachers to create a top-notch curriculum that incorporated newspaper content to teach all subjects. Margaret is a native to Washington, D.C., where she graduated from Holy Trinity High School in Georgetown, and she received a bachelor's degree in English and Geography from Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'll leave Margaret's full bio and more information about her in our show notes. But now, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, Margaret, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here on Advancing Our Church. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So, Margaret, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background. I know you're with the Washington Post for a very long time. Uh, I I find that interesting because so many different people come from different walks and and different backgrounds and and, uh, experiences, and sometimes they're able to bring those gifts 
to Catholic education or to the mission of Catholic education. Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. So I began at the Washington Post um, the late 80s. I began there working for the editorial page editor, who was Meg Greenfield at, at the time. Then I moved on to become editor of the in-house newsletter, which was always a little rattling because I was editing the newsletter for some of the best writers in the country, if not the world. <laughs> That's cool. Neat. And um, so it was a little daunting. And believe yeah. me, they 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 were the first ones to tell me when I used the wrong verb or <laughs> something didn't agree or I could have said that better. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, eventually though, I hit a stride. So that was good. Yeah. As a so, young editor, that must have been a little intimidating to walk with some giants like that in the industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you had people like George Will and Ben Bradley and <laughs> Yeah. Although I must admit, Ben Bradley usually just sent me kudos, which was very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I at that point I had moved to public relations and communications. And eventually that department kind of morphed into the marketing department. And when we got into marketing, they decided that one of the principles of the Washington Post was to be a, a good member of the community. And so they decided they really needed something that brought schools closer to newspapers or, you know, just being able to have a newspaper available to them on a regular basis. And then we decided, well, we can't just drop newspapers at schools that what a teacher's going to do with them. So, um, I actually developed and created their program and under the educational services umbrella is what it kind of morphed into. We started using the Washington Post with schools and I had we had teachers helping us write curriculum and tell us what they needed to do. And so we started a lot of professional development with teachers working with them to say, you know, this is what you can do with a newspaper quickly, easily. Either every student has a paper or every two students to one paper. Um, and it just, it really took off, which we didn't know if it would or it wouldn't. But, um, you know, by the end, all 17 counties in the, um, in the post-circulation area had schools. We had a few thousand schools that were getting papers every day and using our program. So that was really, you know, one of the highlights of my life was like, gosh, we just went from nothing to having this program where teachers were really using newspapers and introducing students to newspapers. And then when the digital version came about, it was kind of clunky in the beginning as it started to progress. So then it became, you know, how do we help teachers use this online with their students? It just kind of morphed from there. Wow. Yeah. So that educational experience, is that part of what drew you to the mission of Catholic education? Or how did you get involved with NCA after so many years at the Washington Post? Yeah, it it really did. Unfortunately, when, when Jeff Bezos came along, they did cut a bunch of departments. And one of them was this program. I was looking and saw the ad for NCEA looking for a public relations person. And I thought, wow. So I really started investigating that. And you know, I think what really pulled me into it is that in Catholic education, 
everyone is aware of imparting that there is a living presence of Jesus. Yep. And I just thought it was amazing that every person involved in educating young people in Catholic education bears the responsibility of the entire church. Mm-hmm. You know, because Catholic schools are part of the Catholic Church's evangelizing mission, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, from the pastors to the administrators, the principals, the teachers, the support staff, the custodians, I mean, everybody is really involved in helping educate these children and fill their spirit. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, the the entire person, mind, body, and spirit of each child is really foremost on everyone's mind. And it's just incorporated into the total environment of a school and into all the interactions that students have, you know, whether it's academics or sports or community, a service to society, you know, and in general in life. You know, I often have people ask me, well, can a school just have a couple of Catholic religion classes and be called a Catholic school. And I said, no, it absolutely can't be Mm -hmm. that because it's infused into everything that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And because these young people are valued as becoming the future leaders of the Catholic church, providing them excellent academics, educational experiences and a sense of spirituality as well as faith formation, you know, really is what helps groom them to be good citizens. You know, I, I, I had a good friend that always says, you know, they're, they're good citizens here on earth and we hope we're grooming them to be saints in heaven. That's right. That's just such a great way to look at it. That's all of our goals, right? We should all have that as our goal to be a saint someday. Exactly. And I feel like we all share that ministry with mm-hmm. the Catholic school educators. And, you know, in, in a secular world, Catholic schools provide that faith formation in helping young people become adults who contribute yeah. to society, yeah. you know, and becoming active, caring members of their communities and ultimately to live with God for all eternity. Well said, you know, and and that happens in so many forms. It happens in our rural communities. It happens in inner city, suburban America. It happens all around the world. And yet there's that same common bond, that intri- that thread that runs through all of them that is our faith, our core, no matter how it's taught or where it's taught. And, right. and we're trying, as you say, to get our students to heaven someday and to form right. a, a moral culture and a moral society where we look at the world, I think, through the lens of our faith, whether it's mm-hmm. mathematics or science or social studies, right. we're looking at it through that lens of our faith, through that sacramental worldview, if you will. Right. And the fact that it's such a shared thing, even for me now, when I go to mass, I just feel like, gosh, we all share this whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. we, we understand the mass. We're a part of the community. The school is a part of this community. So, you know, it doesn't stop once you get out of school. So That's right. Well, I've never stopped learning since I got out of school. I'm still learning in my 50s here. So, So, Margaret, you're the Director for Marketing and Communications uh, for the NCEA. Tell us a little bit about your role with the organization. So I am, I'm the director of marketing communications, as you said, and I also um, am the manager for public relations and, and publications. So 
in public relations, my, my real role is to try and proclaim the good news of Catholic education to anybody that will listen to us. <laughs> awesome. So there's a lot of writing involved. There's a lot of calling and talking with the media. Yeah. We, we had a lot of attention during the pandemic, but for the most part, they only come to us when they really need something. But you know, <laughs> so trying to just get out there and proclaim the good news is is a challenge. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I work through all channels. Um, we have somebody who handles social media for us, but we also work with print media and broadcast. And part of my job is to make sure that the 150,000 or so members of in Catholic education or members of the association are aware of all the professional development and events that we can offer and resources that we make available to them as best we can. As far as our messaging for current events, such as learning and teaching during this pandemic and civic responsibility, you know, we tried to put out as much as we could about elections and sure. the upcoming inauguration. Um, so all of these things are, are part of what NCEA addresses, just to kind of give teachers more in their backpacks, is how we refer to it sometimes. <laughs> um, so, and for publications, I help solicit manuscripts from, okay. you know, experts in the field and people who have written for us before or who come to us and say, hey, I've got an idea about teaching theology or fundraising or Catholic ethics or governance. And there's many more. I mean, there's been years when we've published 20 to 25 books. Wow. <laughs> which is a lot. Sure it is. Yeah. That was a lot. But, you know, that's another portion of what we try to do so that our teachers have more resources, you know, whether you're in the classroom or you're a leader or an administrator. So that's kind of the Reader's Digest version. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot that goes under other duties as assigned, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we don't have to go into all those. But I, that, it's interesting to me. I, I didn't, uh, I, I've seen different publications come through from NCEA, but I had no idea the sheer volume of information. I mean, obviously you're connected with the movers and shakers, the best and the brightest in Catholic education. And I'm, uh, I can only imagine how grateful you are to, to be the, the collaborator, if you were, or kind of the distiller of that information and get it out into the field so that everybody can benefit from the good things happening. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. incredible. Wonderful. Well, Margaret, we're coming up on uh, the big event of the year, Catholic Schools Week. And, uh, right. you know, I've, I've seen the materials come through many times uh, with from NCEA. And I took a look at your website. And this year is no different. You have lots of great downloads and great ideas. Tell us a little bit about the plans for this year's Catholic Schools Week. Okay. So, at you know, Catholic Schools Week is always the last Sunday in January, the following Saturday. So this year, that's January 31st to February 6th. Every three years, we change the logo and the theme. So we wait three years so that when schools purchase products and materials for it, they don't have to do it every year. You know, it's like if you buy it now, you can keep it for three years and then we'll change it. This year, the theme for Catholic Schools Week is Catholic Schools Faith, Excellence and Service. Schools typically observe the annual celebration with masses and open houses. You know, they kind of use it as as a tool to either boost enrollment or retain enrollment, or to just let the community see what great things are going on inside Catholic schools. You know, every day has a different theme during Catholic Schools Week. We try to promote that and help them promote that. So 
it begins with that Sunday with celebrating your parish. And then Monday is celebrating your community. Tuesday, celebrating your students. Wednesday, celebrating the nation. Thursday is celebrating vocation. Friday is celebrating faculty, staff, and volunteers. And Saturday is celebrating families. You know, there's different things that that can go on at the school. And they use these themes as ways to have, you know, you wear crazy sock day. And, you know, it's also ways to promote good spirit. Obviously, this year poses a real challenge for a lot of schools that don't want to have these open houses and have people in and out of the building. Um, Some of them will still do that, but we tried to offer as many alternatives to that as we could. And we have that certainly on our on our website. Um, So they can be alternatives to in-person activities, you know, trying to help schools figure out a way to still do all the things that they used to do. And, you know, we did discover several years ago that a lot of schools like the fall better. Um, I I just think it gives them more planning time for when they're talking about enrollment for the following school year. So we did a few years ago institute the Discover Catholic Schools Week, which is in November. It's very similar to Celebrate Catholic Schools Week, which is our January event. But this was to try and help out all those schools who say, you know, look, we want to do something, but January just doesn't work for us. Yeah. So we did start this Discover Catholic Schools Week to try and help everybody out in that respect. I've talked to many schools over the years who celebrate Catholic Schools Week. But like you say, sometimes like for those of us who live in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. it's not the most beautiful time of year to come in and invite somebody to your school for the first time. It may not leave the best or the impression that you want to leave. So oftentimes they do uh, open houses in the spring or Mm -hmm. some kind of celebration in the spring, again, to uh, as an enrollment, certainly an enrollment opportunity and, uh, and uh, fall registration, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, we encourage them. I mean, you know, even though these dates are set, those are just dates, you know, you can still use all of the information that Mm -hmm. we offer for Catholic Schools Week any time of the year. In fact, we a couple of years ago changed the name of the uh, Catholic Schools Week kit to Catholic Schools Week and year round marketing kit. Yeah, makes (laughs) sense. Kind of say, you know, this just use it as a template and you can do it anytime you want. Do you receive feedback from the schools or do you hear about what they're doing at the school level to kind of give you a sense of, of how it went or, uh, or maybe yes. even ideas for, for future years that you want to do? Yes, yes. We really try to encourage them to send us photos and videos and put it on social media, put on their websites, you know, all the different things that they do so that we can gather that and it gives us new ideas and we can also share it with, you know, all the other schools when they're calling us and saying, you know, I just need something new and different or something out of the ordinary. So yes, we try really hard to um, publicize what everybody was doing. Do you ever uh, get involved with helping a diocese or a school? I'm sure maybe not at the individual school level, but input on their marketing initiatives during the year? I mean, given all your experience and the breadth of all you see nationwide. Absolutely. You know, whenever anybody reaches out to us and has a specific question or just in general is looking for something, we try very hard to help them out and either give them our ideas or put them in touch with other schools that we know have done something similar. And certainly at the diocesan level, a lot of times we'll get supers that'll call us and 
you know, and say, look, a couple of my schools are looking for, you know, fundraising tips or want to participate in Catholic Schools Week, but don't have a lot of money. So right. You, you hear that a lot. I'm sure I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we do. We try to tailor things to individual schools needs as best we can. Sure. You can't ever do a one size fits all, especially where Catholic schools no, and no, or no. parishes are yeah. involved for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. I, I, a friend of mine that I used to work with used to say, you've seen one school, you've seen one school. I mean, there, there's in many, right. no two schools are exactly identical. In that's that. that's right. From your perspective, again, from the national level, how, how have you seen schools adapting their marketing efforts during COVID-19? You know, that we have gotten a lot of calls about that. And they're like, yeah. how do we turn this into a virtual event? You know, our, our biggest suggestion is to use your students. You know, have them make videos, have them talk about what they like about school and, you know, what their Catholic education means to them, you know, and also just incorporating the community. You know, what what are you doing in the community and what does the community think about you as part of their community? So thank goodness for social media and websites and that kind of thing, because I think it really was able to pick up where schools had to leave off, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, with trying to reduce, you know, the number of people coming in and out of the building and but you know, Catholic schools overall, I mean, 80 to 85% of our Catholic schools are in person 5 days a week, which yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Because I I think that the national average for public schools and I'm not comparing us to them, although it sounds like it, I think they're at about 50% you know, when you think that Catholic schools with so little resources, for the most part, have been able to pull this off with all of the cleaning and wearing masks and so many of the schools, you know, they've got that plexiglass or or some sort of plastic around the desks of the kids. And, you know, this is a lot of money. <laughs> it is, absolutely. Well, I always, you know, I think of principals as being just some of the hardest working people in the whole or the hardest working person in the whole building. Absolutely. And and certainly close second there is each of the teachers who works tirelessly day and night in many cases. Yes. So you throw this pandemic on top of it. I'm sure there's been a lot of sleepless nights around the country to keep this thing going. You and know, yet it shows our resilience, right? I mean, it shows our our commitment to Catholic education, the commitment to our faith, and and such a, a positive statement that you know we we can survive this, and we can come together. Many donors and so many teachers have come around the the table to help make this happen. You're exactly right. I mean, a lot of donors have stepped up. I mean, there were schools that I know were in danger of closing, and then lo and behold, the Catholic school community said, "No, nope, we're going to figure it out." Unfortunately a lot of them did close and many of them have said they were in trouble to begin with. And, you know, unfortunately the pandemic just kind of pushed them out the door. The resilience of Catholic schools really is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the other big events that you're known for during the year is your big NCAA conference. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that's going to look like in 2020. So we are working feverishly to pull that together. So again, this year, it, it will be virtual, you know, it'll be a little different because last year, I think we literally had like four weeks to turn what was yeah. an in-person event into a virtual event. 
we actually surprised even ourselves. We were like, gosh, we actually did it. We pulled yeah. that off. So this year we have a, at least a little experience in it. So right now we're planning, there's going to be 12 distinct learning tracks that will be a part of the three days. So the dates are April 6th, 7th, and 8th. And we have two different kinds of registration. Individuals can register for $129.99. And yeah, we fought about that night. We're like, 99 cents, really? But (laughs) we decided, okay. But then this year, we added what we're calling a watch party, where an entire school can participate for those three days for $999. So, and we're, we're calling that first day, kind of a premier pre-conference day. So we're encouraging everybody to register by um, February 28th. And you'll get that April 6th day and access to all the um, sessions and speakers and everything for a three-month period. So, you know, we're hoping that that would be a good enticement to help people register early. So we know how many people we're working with. The 12 tracks are early childhood education social emotional learning, evangelization and student formation, theology and adult formation, inclusion with the mindset of diversity and equity, and also inclusion with the mindset of exceptional learners, stream, assessment literacy, virtual learning, which you know, hopefully that much longer, but (laughs) (laughs) at least for now. Right. Um, We also have a track called programs beyond academics and Catholic school leadership and continuous school improvement. So um, those last three are, or the last two actually are meant, I mean, anybody can attend these sessions, but they're, they're really geared toward leadership. We are working hard within each track to have anywhere from five to maybe as many as seven or even 10 individual sessions from our in-the-field experts and people who have um, experience in some of these, you know, um, some of our book authors are going to be presenters as well. So presenters are everybody from classroom teachers to the authors, to Catholic school leaders, to administrators, to diocesan people, and some of our partners who, um, you know, help some of our corporate partners um, also have products and that kind of, you know, I shouldn't say products, but they may have curriculum or, or expertise in some of these areas. And we invite them to do a session as well. Not, not so many of them as much as, you know, our regular in the field experts. Right. Right. Sounds like a great conference. Doesn't, Doesn't sound like you've backed off at all. That's exciting. Not at all. I know when yeah. they first said, well, we could have as many as 120 sessions. And we were like, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's an <laughs> ambitious I'm, committee you have there. Right, right. And all of our all of our people who are the most technically versed yes. um, were like, wait, am, am I going to be recording all those sessions? <laughs> so um, luckily we have last year's experience to build on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for a lot of us, like you say, yeah, we were building the airplane as we were flying it, and everything was, you know, coming to a change. But uh, going into 2021, knowing that it's a little uncertain when we'll all be face to face and together again, I'm sure a lot of folks are planning to do something very, very similar. And 
I'm sure it's going to be even better. That's great. That's exciting. We're we're very excited. We all learned a lot of lessons from 2020. (laughs) Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wrapping up here, but Margaret, can you tell me about any new marketing initiatives or any new programs or anything that we should be on the watch for in 2021? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's going to be a lot more of continuing to do what we've been doing. We always have, you know, a full scale list of um, new webinars that we Mm -hmm. work on. We continue to hold regional meetings with superintendents and principals and teachers. Kathy Mears, you know, our interim president and CEO, continues to call on a regular basis, superintendents and principals, and just basically taking their temperature, you know, how are things going? What are you thinking? How are things moving? We do have new books coming out. We don't have you know, in the twenties, but we've got, you know, new books that are, that are on our list, including like ethics and micro schools, micro credentialing, even virtual fundraising, which, you know, even once this is over is something that I think people will still want to know all about. And we continue to reach out to our schools and ask them, you know, how can we help you promote your school, Catholic education in general? Um, you know, what can we do for you? So professional development will continue to be one of our big pushes, not only for Catholic school, you know, leaders, but for classroom teachers. And, you know, obviously, we're right now we're looking toward convention, still trying to incorporate all the things that we've been doing in a You know, we still have a coaching and mentoring program where schools can work with Heather Gossard, who's just a fountain of institutional knowledge. That's great. On running Catholic schools. So like I said, it it may not be new things as much as we're just really deep diving into Mm -hmm. what we've always had on hand and available for for our members. Yeah. Well, we've had Kathy on the uh, Kathy Mears on the program in the mm-hmm. past. It's so good to hear. I'm not surprised she's calling to see how all the superintendents are doing and the leader, school leaders. She's such a kind and warm person. I'm sure yeah. she's been extremely supportive throughout this process. She really has. And, you know, like when I look at her calendar and I see, you know, calling Victoria, Texas, you know, call yeah. Palm Beach, calling. <laughs> 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 Busy, busy person. Yes. Margaret, it's it's amazing. I I, I just picking up on something you said earlier that, you know, around fundraising, I think there are things that we have learned that, you know, once you take the genie out of the bottle, I don't think we're going to be able to put it back in that. And maybe in some ways it has pushed us to do things a little faster than Mm -hmm. might have taken us many years to get there. I mean, I, I do think that we are going to find ourselves in a better place at the end, especially around technology and virtual learning and virtual events. And you see that as well from your perspective? I do. And, you know, I hear people talking more and more about, you know, well, we may continue to do these things, but maybe it will be hybrid. Maybe people will go to convention, but will also offer it as a virtual event, you know, and, and not just that, I think some of the regional meetings that you know, some of our, um, our diocese are doing it's, you know, if you want to come, come, or you can, you can participate virtually. So I think you're right in that this has totally made us look at technology in a whole different way and all of the benefits that it can bring. We kind of promised ourselves that we were never going to use the word pivot again. (laughs) Oh, 
We say that all the time. So yeah. Pivot has been banned in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it is phenomenal to me how Catholic schools did pivot. They did. You know, yeah. And did it so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like you said, it's kind of a testament to the resilience of Catholic education. So some of this is not going to go away. And so, yeah, when we were approached by the author and he said, you know, you may think it's not timely anymore, but I have developed this whole thing about fundraising in a virtual world. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we we definitely think that's something our schools are going to be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I, I failed to mention earlier, but I feel compelled to now. I mean, certainly the support of so many pastors who continue to support those mm-hmm. schools in, in every way they can. Bishops who have tried to support Catholic education in their dioceses. Mm-hmm. Of course, all us parents who sent their kids to Catholic schools and continue yeah. to adapt as we pivot back and forth to different situations. And then certainly not least of all the, the, the students, you know, and just the yeah. amazing way in which they've been resilient, I think, through this whole process. Yeah. Well, Margaret, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit this morning. I I really appreciate you being on our podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you so much. And best of luck with Catholic Schools Week and uh, the upcoming conference. And if there's anything we can do to help you promote that, just let us know. Okay, we will. And we'll leave links to Margaret and to NCEA and the conferences and Catholic School Week and and everything in our show notes uh, for this episode. Thanks again for joining us on Advancing Our Church. Great. Thank you. God bless. Take care, Jim. I want to thank Margaret for being on our show this week. What a tremendous resource you are to the NCEA and to so many of our schools around the country. Thank you for all you do, Margaret. And thanks again to uh, NCEA for the great uh, partnership that we enjoy with you at Changing Our World. If you'd like to view the full video presentation of this podcast, please visit the show's episode page on advancingourchurch.com. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 21 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a terrific week. Take care, and God bless.